Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Friendship. I'm Mark Musinski. And I'm Brian Wool. And we are best friends. And this is a podcast about friends. My Favorite Friendship is a true friendship podcast, so think like a true crime podcast. But instead of the stories of murders, we're telling the stories of friendships. The most interesting, complex, or I guess sometimes simple, good or bad, uh, valuable ones that we can find from the past and the present in hopes that we can learn to become better friends today and in the future, and also, you know, make more friends. And not only is this a podcast by friends, about friends, it's a podcast for friends. That's you guys. And as always, we could use more friends. So if you have just a moment to look through the archives and, uh, you know, let us know, uh, or I'm sorry, look through the archives and find one of the friendships that reminds you of the relationship you have with someone else in your life. Like, you know, maybe uh, you see John Favreau and Roy Choi and you're like, I'm a, uh, I'm a famous person and you're a chef, you know, or uh, Matthew McConaughey and Guy Fieri and you're like, hey, I'm a famous person and you're a chef. Uh, I think those are the only chef-based ones <laughs> we've done thus far, but those, those there's are the so only many ones, others. Great ones. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know what? I'm sure other chefs also have friends, and we will find them. I guess we could do like Dave Chang and and Seth Rogen. They're friends. Oh yeah, great. Put it on the list. See now, so, <laughs> so you know, subscribe on your podcast app of choice to find that one coming up. But. Before we get into today's friendship, we like to do what hopefully all great friends do, which is check in with each other, see how we're doing. So, Brian, how was your week in friendship? I had a, I had a great week, Mark. I got to uh, celebrate my birthday with a, a bunch of friends. Yeah. Uh, going out to a nightclub and, and drinking and dancing. Nice. It was very fun. I don't always do that. But it was awesome to do it for this time. And especially, I mean, I, I feel like we've said this a lot in the context of fun friend events. But, like, it's winter, it's cold, people are staying in, having, at least in L.A., cold. I, we should <laughs> we should qualify that. But still, it's, like, really been rainy and chilly. And to have some event that gets a bunch of people out of the house, that's awesome. Well, what made it extra special, Mark, is the club that I chose is a club here in Hollywood called Bar Sinister. And Bar Sinister is a, a club where there is a dress code. So my friends not only, you know, had to come out and in the cold and, and hang out with me, but they had to dress according to a dress code and know that this place had a, a specific way of being. So everybody that came had to kind of step outside of their comfort zone a little bit, and it made this event that much more special for me. That's awesome. Well, I... And the dress code was spooky. We had to wear black, Mark. I... I... <laughs> remember from previous times attending with you, and I was so bummed that I couldn't be there. Um, we're just... We're still being safe for the baby, and uh, so, I don't know. Maybe you could have a half-birthday celebration in a few months. <laughs> we'll have to oh, go you out. you betcha, buddy. You betcha. We're going to have a great time. It was it was very fun. I forgot how much I enjoyed being around strangers and and dancing in a in a big group. It yeah. was so fun. It's like it a was, communal it, it, human activity that dates back mm-hmm. 
I'd say probably before language. It's just the when, and, moving and dancing together. And I think w- because this club is so specific in in like its uh, goth industrial vibe, uh, it, it it makes it a lot more of a bonding experience with the people there because it's not just a regular popular music club. You have to really be into this to go to this thing. Yeah, and I think that's a lot more fun. It's uh, I I immediately feel a much uh, I feel much more connected to these strangers in a, a goth industrial place than I would at like a general nightclub because I feel like we already have at least one thing in common and and so I feel much more willing to have conversations with strangers or whatever did I not that much <laughs> but I feel like there's a as we've often talked about that that common ground thing is such a huge part of friendships but I I'd say if we were doing a podcast about like my favorite party or event or whatever mm. it's kind of a it's, it's a valuable thing for that too it part of what makes it helpful for friendships is like it creates an atmosphere where everyone's on the same page you all have something to talk about you all have something you all look similar i don't know you know yeah well i i mean that's kind of the idea with with wearing all black and stuff like that is because it's hard to tell someone's socioeconomic status that way and that's that's a really nice feature of the of that scene is you can't tell who's rich, who's poor. They're just that's them. Yeah. Not till you touch them and you're like, oh, they're all in silk. <laughs> that that too. You could do that. <laughs> and uh, and then also what was really cool was the night before I got to have a really nice friendship birthday dinner with you. And Robin. Yeah, that was great. It was. I'm so glad you could come out at, a, at an earlier time that helped it because we could bring the baby. Uh, so she got to celebrate your birthday for the first time. Yeah, it was so cool. And, and she was awake for some of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was great, and I'm 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 glad that you were able to do that because I feel like it's you know when it's a friend's birthday normally you are uh trying to celebrate on their terms and not your terms but in that scenario because we're still climbing out of the new parent hole uh we we didn't have a lot of flexibility and so um i was just grateful that we got to celebrate your birthday so yeah, thank you. my my terms are just getting to see you <laughs> well we appreciate it i think it. that's good enough we had such a good time. Speaking of getting to see friends, well, like, wait, I didn't even get to ask you. How was your week? What, you know, I I, I would say we that out. we, yeah, that was the highlight of it. And for all the reasons I couldn't come to the bar, we didn't do a lot of friend stuff. We, uh, mm. yeah, we were just sort of trying to take care of business around the house. And you're you're kind of preparing for for folks to visit, right? We are, but my uh, my mom was still a little sick, and so they are no longer able to come. But uh, we did oh, no. clean the house and a bunch I'm of other so stuff. Sorry to hear this. So, <laughs> well, you were preparing for yes. them at least. So, I know that was part of the activity. <laughs> and it is funny because we were like, "Oh, well, it's okay if we don't go out that much. We're going to have a really busy next week." And then now this week is yeah. pretty quiet too. So, <laughs> oh, go figure. <laughs> oh well. Well, so 
I was thinking about uh, friends visiting because last week I I don't know how much our listeners are in tune with this, but I'm I'm not only a, a stand-up comic, but I'm also a big fan of stand-up comedy, and so I follow everything that's going on, at least, especially around Los Angeles. And uh, this past week, Nick Kroll has been doing some stand-up shows in L.A., and he's been advertised for the shows, but his great friend, John Mulaney, has popped in on all of these shows with him. Hmm. And so it made me think about their friendship, and I realized that uh, we haven't covered it, and I, I, I'm i a fan of both of these guys. I love, love both of their work. I love the shows they've made. I love their stand-up specials. I'm a big fan. So I thought, let's cover the friendship of John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. Yeah. I I am similarly a big fan of both of them, and I can't wait to hear how they know each other. So they these guys actually met in college. Really? They've been friends for a, a little bit over 20 years now. Hey, that's awesome. I feel like we met in college, so I'm always yeah. a I'm always a fan of people who are keeping those college relationships going. Yeah, Nick Nick Kroll was a senior, and John Mulaney was a freshman, hmm. and uh, and Nick Kroll ended up casting John Mulaney into their college improv group. Did okay. I mean, I love that for a million reasons, <laughs> besides the fact that that we were also friends in a college improv group, but. Me yeah. aside, I want to know, does this college improv group have a silly name? Okay, Mark, the name of their improv group is quite possibly one of the lamest names for an improv group of all time. Mm-hmm. They're the Georgetown Improv Association. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. The Georgetown University Improv Comedy Troupe. They've been around since 1995. And uh, famous alumni of the group beyond Nick Kroll mm-hmm. and John Mulaney. Which is two Mike Berbiglia. Oh, wow. Love Mike Berbiglia. Mike Berbiglia. Yeah, so Mike Berbiglia was kind of, uh, he was the oldest. And then Nick Kroll was, was uh, kind of under his wing. And then after Berbiglia graduated, uh, Nick Kroll cast John Mulaney hmm. in the group. And they were at Georgetown University, Washington, D.C. And uh, uh, Berbiglia went and worked at the comedy club in town. I forget the name of it at at the time. But Nick Kroll also worked there as a server. Mm -hmm. Mulaney never worked there, as far as I know. But but Kroll and Berbiglia were were doing Mm stand-up over there and, and, uh, and then also doing improv at the college. And Mulaney and Kroll... Started out there at Georgetown. Good buddies doing improv. Wow. And then after Nick Kroll graduated, because he was a senior, mm-hmm. Kroll ended up moving to New York to follow Mike Berbiglia, who after he graduated, you know, moved his way over there. Mm-hmm. And and Kroll hung out around Berbiglia. And then once uh, Mulaney graduated, he followed to New York to be... Under the tree of Mike Probiglia, basically. Wow. I mean, it's, <laughs> and, a, it's a good uh, tree. And then, uh, uh, while that was going on, Nick Kroll's acting career started b- to blow up. He was he was cast in some commercials that were very popular. Uh, one that was really notable 
was he played Andy Roddick's Mojo in an American Express commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it was, it's weird because, like, you'll go back and you'll be like, oh, my God, that was Nick Kroll. And, and he was just casting a bunch of commercials. So while that was going on, Birbiglia was touring doing stand-up, and he took John Mulaney on the road with him as his MC and, and opening act. Oh, wow. And, and that was how Mulaney got his start that way. Uh, Birbiglia had already worked for Conan O'Brien for a little bit. His sister got him an interview there. And, that helps, I guess. He got the gig. Yeah, like every everybody gets in because of a friend or a family member or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like it, I, there's I've been fascinated with the nepo baby conversation that's been uh, on the internet recently. Yeah, and I I should say I should acknowledge we didn't really get into the biographical information of these guys. Uh, Nick, uh, John Mulaney, many of us know if you've if you've seen his specials, his parents are both lawyers. They both went to Georgetown, so mm-hmm. that's how he ended up at Georgetown. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, they went with Bill Clinton famously. Yeah. And Bill Clinton uh, famously flirted with John Mulaney's mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, John Mulaney's dad ended up having to defend Bill Clinton. So uh, <laughs> that that's a fun thing. So you you get the idea. He grew up not really having to worry about money. Yeah. I mean, um, all, all three of these guys are at Georgetown, which is not a cheap private school to attend by any means. Well, Nick, I should... This isn't super important to the friendship, but I, I feel like I've got to mention this because I thought it was so fascinating. Nick Kroll's father, Jules Kroll, uh, started Kroll, Inc. and is credited with founding the modern corporate investigations industry and in 2004 papa kroll sold his company for 1.9 billion dollars whoa wow and and uh so uh, that that said that said uh nick kroll has has talked about his dad's wealth and, and Whatnot, and he said, you know, the comedy, and he's very serious about this. He says, comedy is the one thing that I've done on my own in my life. Mm-hmm. He said, my father has not paid for my show to be on Comedy Central, although it would have been so fucking chill if he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? I, here's what I will say. If you're going to get a bunch of money, if you're going to get a bunch of money for anything, I think investigating problems in giant corporations that, that's a pretty good thing to do that's good you someone should be doing yeah. that and i hope he was doing it well yeah. and that's why his business is worth so much yeah i mean and and you know when it when it comes to folks who are born into nepotism and we and we we talked about this a little bit with the uh um what are the boys oh, called the on please Saturday don't Live destroy the young yeah. guys now please don't destroy uh, Martin Hurley he, and uh, Higgins. You know, th- you can't help who you're born to. Yeah. And and sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but, you know, y- you can't deny money will help you at least get to a nice school. Mm-hmm. But it depends on what you do when you're at that school, you know? I remember talking, and, I and, remember talking to, now living in L.A., you encounter a lot more people who have gone to these, like, 
very expensive, even private high schools and stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I remember as a kid thinking like, oh, private high school, better get, you know, you, you get a better education. And like <laughs> later in life, it's like, oh, wait, that wasn't the point at all. The point was like, your parents paid a bunch of money primarily so that you could mainly associate with other kids whose parents could pay that much and yeah and also hire good teachers and like the education hopefully is good at least as good as a public school but like the real down the line benefit is like college tracking and putting you in touch in a in a network with other people who are already set up to succeed yeah it's it's important. It's clearly important. Mm-hmm. Being able to be in those advantageous friend circles really makes a difference. And, you know, it, I, I go back and forth about, you know, it, would it have been better to go to a private school? You know, what would, I, would it have set me up for a better career quicker? I don't know. But I, I'm very happy with the friends that I have. I came out pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. and you and, and, and Keith and... And our whole group of friends that we have out here, I, I feel amazing with and fortunate for the folks that I met. And uh, we met at a public college, and we yeah. all went to public school. But uh, we met some amazing folks that, although maybe they didn't grow up rich, they were super talented. And also having uh, a bunch of friends who are super successful doesn't necessarily equate to being like happy in your life. It could just mean... You spend a lot of time trying to be super successful, and you're very unhappy. So, yeah, maybe you know. There's lots of <laughs> there's lots of parts to it, and I think what I am very grateful for is that the people that I met, I enjoy my time with, and I hope that I can bring joy to them as well. But like, you know what I mean? Like, we're primarily friends to that make each other happy. And I'm not, look, I'm sure Brubiglia, Kroll, Mulaney, and everyone else that was a part of their scene, was doing that too. They're just also lucky that they're doing so well. So, so Kroll was, was blowing up with the commercials, and then he gets cast in the uh, sitcom based off of the Geico Caveman commercials. That's right. I forgot he was in the show that. Caveman? Yeah. Yes. Nick Kroll was the star of Cavemen. <laughs> and uh, Kroll still says that it was one of the most important experiences of his life. He, he said he learned so much working with all those people uh, on that show and credits that as an incredibly formative moment in his life, career, and development as an adult. You know? Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty wild, because, you know, a lot of people regard that as one of the worst shows of all time. Just one of the worst shows ever made. You should, and you know what? I, learn I don't know. I, did, I didn't really watch it, so I don't know. I, I didn't either. But I, I also think yeah. one thing I have experienced for sure with live shows, with TV shows, with anything, is that the experience of working on them is very different from the quality of the product that comes out. and And even if it wasn't, you know, what a huge opportunity to be the lead in a show. And like, you just, if you're not learning as much as you can, however the show turns out, then you are wasting that opportunity. Yeah. Then, uh, so after that, he, he got on, uh, Kroll got on Best Week Ever on VH1. 
and was doing you know one-liners and jokes about popular culture things for them mm -hmm. and he got some he, he was working at ucb as was mulaney at that time and that got him roles on parks and rec community unbreakable kimmy schmidt new girl reno 911 uh, all sorts of stuff and he you know john oliver's stand-up show on on comedy central doug benson's show benson interruption and it, it eventually led to Nick Kroll getting on The League, mm -hmm. uh, which, which was done by a lot of the guys from Human Giant. So it was uh, Rob Hubel, uh, 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 Paul Shear, uh, Mark Duplass. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. That's another and great they, friendship these, group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and they're also friends with Aziz Ansari. That was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. So all these guys are... So they're in on the league. And then Kroll was doing the league for a bit. And then while he was doing the league, he got his own sketch series on Comedy Central called Kroll Show. And and so he uh, he had that for like three or three seasons yeah. of Kroll Show. And then he also had a recurring role on Children's Hospital on Adult Swim. <laughs> But then, in 2015, Kroll Show and The League were ending. And it's inter what, what was kind of interesting was there's this BuzzFeed personal profile article on, on Nick Kroll. And it's, it's, like a, it's more like an Esquire or Playboy profile feature, you know, where it's like, you know, 1,500 words or more. Yeah. It's like, um, we met up on a rainy yeah. afternoon at a brunch spot that I love in West Hollywood. <laughs> like, that kind of... Exactly. But this one, they're hiking through Griffith Park. So you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it, dude. Yes. And I'll include this in the in the links for the show notes and stuff. But it, it's interesting because it's Nick Kroll at the end of all this stuff. And he's ta and it's talking about all these projects he has on the horizon after 2015, and there's absolutely no mention of Oh Hello, huh. which become which is the collaboration between Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, which started as an off-Broadway show, yeah. and then uh, in a limited engagement, like for a month or so, and then they ended up doing over a hundred shows on Broadway. The year after that. Wow. And it's, and so like what that signaled to me was, wow, they really thought Nick Kroll's career was going to go in this one direction and that these projects that they, they put out there were going to be really great. And almost all of them pretty much flopped. Yeah. And what, what succeeded for him working with one of his best friends, John Mulaney. Yeah. And so let's go back to Mulaney here. We last left him opening for Mike Birbiglia. So he's opening for Birbiglia. Then he gets uh, an opportunity to audition for Saturday Night Live. He auditions and gets hired as a writer in 2008. Hmm. So he he writes for SNL, uh, you know, right after Obama's elected. And he does a lot of the Stefan segments with Bill Hader. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was a Mulaney character. <laughs> That's and great. and then he yeah and then he he gets hired into other other stuff too he got hired into uh, Chappelle's show he worked on Chappelle's show season three wow where Chappelle walked off mm -hmm. and Comedy Central like wanted 
they wanted Mulaney to go like get the last scripts or last videotapes, oh, whatever whoa. the masters were from Chappelle. And no. Mulaney ended up just not doing it because he's like, this will be bad for my career. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so wild. That's so intense. You know, like, when you're younger and you're just trying to do your thing, or, I mean, not even younger, just lower on the totem pole. Yeah. It's, ugh, that's scary stuff, man. Oh, my gosh. But, uh he kept he kept working on it on his stuff writing on on different people's shows uh after saturday night live he got to work on uh the maya rudolph and martin short special for nbc i remember that uh he worked for documentary now and then he he reunited with nick kroll his improv buddy from college to reprise the roles that they created on the kroll show of uh Gil Faison and oh gosh what's the name of the other guy do it's you like remember George Saint George Saint Geegland yeah that's what it is. yeah you know we're Gil you're Faison missing and George Saint Geegland you're missing one very important part of his uh his resume which is at some point probably in the year 2012 or 13 he, uh, while on tour, he headlined Up Comedy Club, the stand-up venue that Second City had opened in that same complex in Chicago, uh, where I was I was working for Second City at the time. And I remember, I, I hadn't really heard of John Mulaney. A bunch of other people had. And I was like, and we, we were struggling because Second City hadn't had a stand-up venue before they're known for their sketch stuff and so we were at the time it was still so new we were just trying to figure out like what the heck to how to promote the shows and what to expect as far as ticket sales and so um john mulaney was one of the first ones where i was like i'm gonna go get a bunch of videos like the just the videos that the comedians share and just start posting them you know like every day or something like that and so he was one of the first ones where I ended up watching like a ton of John Mulaney videos, basically probably anything that he had put out to that point to try to find stuff to promote the show with. And I ended up just really falling in love with him as a performer and a writer. I didn't get to see him when we were in Chicago. Yeah, it was great. It was a really good show. I bet. He's he's very funny. <laughs> but yeah, so they, so they, uh, they united to do this off-Broadway show in New York called Oh Hello, uh, doing their, their characters. And John Mulaney's wife, well, ex-wife now, uh, she was the makeup artist for the fellas for the show. So it was like this little family. Oh, that's great. And as someone who's uh, doing an off-Broadway show, I, in, coming up in the next month, basically, by the time this airs, or maybe six weeks is the opening night, it's it's yeah. tough. So having a wife that can do the makeup, that's huge. Yeah. She she did so much for that show and they they were always always tight the the three of them. And un, unfortunately, there isn't really a whole lot on them uh in interview wise cuz I I was very fascinated on you know how how Nick was able to be a friend to both of them through the divorce and mm-hmm. Uh, how that goes on i think that's really fascinating and i'll i'll keep searching for more information on you know friendships dealing with divorce i think that's a a fascinating topic yeah 
but unfortunately there isn't really a whole lot on that with this but you guys can know that that Nick Kroll and Mulaney remained close through throughout all of, all of the run of oh hello they they loved uh, Kroll was interviewed about this production and what it was like uh, doing this many performances in a row and and you know putting on a show like this and he said that he's never been so happy as when he's working with one of his best friends and he said it was it's just an absolute joy and it will remain a highlight of his life so i thought that was pretty cool oh yeah and you could see it too when you watch the show <laughs> they're just they're yeah, having you can so you can watch fun. it on netflix yeah yeah that was one it's of the so, first it's live so funny. things that blew up, I think. Other than other than stand-up specials, but the first sort of like theater performance that Netflix did. Yeah, it was so fun. Such a great show. And and you can see they're having a lot of fun with it and and the audience is having a lot of fun too. Now, uh after Oh Hello, the next thing that Nick Kroll uh and and Mulaney worked on was the Comedy Central roast of James Franco. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, and they and they they had a ball on that. Kroll was one of the roasters and and Mulaney was too. Uh, they both wrote jokes for it and and that that was uh the next thing that they collaborated on right before Kroll co-created, wrote and starred in Big Mouth. Oh yeah. The animated show on Netflix. Which also co-stars John Mulaney One of the <laughs> as things his best friend. That's great about them in for this specific purpose is they both have really identifiable voices. Mm-hmm. I feel like that it it's great for their character work, but it's also great for animation. Yeah, it's great for animation. Hopefully, you know, who knows? Maybe you and I can have identifiable voices enough, <laughs> Mark, where where we can get a job somewhere. You never know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All you job but people yeah, so out big there, mouth. call us. All those job, hey, you job people, <laughs> we're we're listening, we're listening to jobs. <laughs> but Big Mouth has run for six seasons already. There's there's wow. uh, sixty episodes. Yeah, right. There's so many episodes of Big Mouth. It's what a success that show is. Uh, it's been running since 2017, and 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 they've been doing that. That's been fantastic. Mulaney has had some tremendous comedy specials come out uh, uh, that uh, I believe they're on Netflix. And then he's also done a lot of voice work himself with uh, Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And then his his character, Peter Porker slash Spider-Ham, <laughs> yeah. has, been, has been given uh, multiple uh, spinoffs. Like he got a short called Spider-Ham Caught in a Ham. <laughs> And then another short in 2020 called Spider-Ham Back on the Air. Uh, and then he also plays Chip in Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers that, that just came oh, out right. with Andy Samberg. And then uh, Mulaney's in the new uh, Puss in Boots as uh, Jack Horner. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, little That's Jack great. Horner sat in the corner. Yeah. Mulaney's specials, by the way, uh, there's uh, Kid Gorgeous and the Comeback Kid. Uh, those are the the two that I uh, and the uh, new, new in town. town, which I think yeah. that's the new in town kid gorgeous and comeback kid. Yeah, 
Um, all mm-hmm. all are excellent. And I think there's a new one coming soon because he was, I think, running the material from it at the Hollywood Bowl uh, earlier this year. Well, that'll be fantastic as well. But And all of them are pretty yeah, and- reflective about his life, or many of them are. Uh, and so I'm I'm extra curious about this most recent one, probably because of stuff you're going to talk about very soon. Yeah. The two of them also collaborated to, to host the 33rd Independent Spirit Awards That's... back in 2018. Mm-hmm. So that was also in the thick of all that stuff. And, uh, and then Kroll also has done some other parts. Uh, uh, he created a spinoff show of Big Mouth called Human Resources. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, following all the hormone monsters, mm-hmm. and and he he's just got a whole empire all on his own, you know. Yeah. Didn't need any of the two billion dollars his dad's got. <laughs> he also <laughs> just put out his own stand-up special. Yeah, which was fantastic. I mm-hmm. uh, what, I didn't I don't remember the name of it, but it was really good. Uh, it's like little little Nicky maybe or something like that. If you just search Nick Kroll on Netflix, you will you yeah, will find it. Search him. Nick Kroll on Netflix. It's it's so good. Yeah, he's a great stand-up special. And then uh, let's see, maybe I can find it here. No, I can't. But he's also in the Adams Family movies. He's in Sing those films. He's in. Uh, he appears in Don't Worry, Darling. He's in Bob's Burgers movie. He's in Captain Underpants. He's in so many uh, uh, sausage party, a lot of voiceover roles. It's important to have a good voice. So yeah, they they're having so much career success. But then uh, Mulaney, he separates from his wife, uh, but uh, takes a job with Late Night with Seth Meyers as a staff writer and contributor. And this is back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And he's he's been there since, but shortly after taking this job and shortly after hosting Saturday Night Live, John Mulaney uh, relapsed. He had addiction issues from when he was a teenager to alcohol and cocaine specifically, and he had a relapse with cocaine, and his friends needed to stage an intervention. And... Uh, the intervention was attended by 12 of Mulaney's comedian friends, including Seth Meyers, Bill Hader, Natasha Leone, Fred Armisen, Nick Kroll, uh, uh, Amy Poehler, uh, and more. Wow. And they, it, it was wild because all of these hilarious people were not allowed to do any bits or jokes or anything with the intervention. Yeah. They were directed by the the uh, professional yeah. to, <laughs> to keep it more buttoned up. And Mulaney was goofing the whole time. Yeah. Just just making all sorts of jokes. And it, you can see he gives an interview on the Seth Meyers show after he's out of rehab to talk about this whole intervention and what it was like, and 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 his perspective versus his friend's perspective, and uh, what it, it was amazing and how open he was about it all. Because you know he he wasn't 
the most compliant person at the intervention. He said that he immediately had to be the smartest person in the room and say, okay, I know I have a cocaine problem. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, but then he would... He wanted everyone to give him credit for, like, the times that he wasn't on cocaine. <laughs> yeah, that's not really how the intervention works. Yeah, and really, really, like, you're like, well, I wasn't high on Monday, right? <laughs> you know I wasn't. You know I wasn't. And uh, and just all, all these different things to to just have control when he really didn't. Yeah. You know? And, and, and for it, so many comedians, this the... The instinct for comedy comes as a a way of coping with the world, a defense mechanism, an offense mechanism, whatever it is. That it's not surprising to me at all that when confronted with this really stressful situation, he would just fall back on one of his most powerful skills. Yeah, we all we all would. We all would love to, you know. Mm-hmm. Alas, he had to go to rehab, and uh, and he spent a couple months in there, and then he, uh, after his time in uh, in rehab, he went to a sober living facility for about a month and a half, mm-hmm. and uh, seems like he's he's found uh, a solid amount of uh, uh, life and career, and. He's had balance with his friends, you know, contributing to Seth Meyers' show and then also doing stand-up. Yeah. And it, it seems like he's he's feeling good. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but, the you know, we've covered several friendships that involve addiction and battling it, and it's never easy and the story's never over. But I think this, from everything I've read about it and seen about it, it, it feels like... He had so many people that cared about him that were willing to put in the time and energy to pull him out of this. And I I assume that he's aware of that and extremely grateful. But if not, he really should be. Yeah. You know, it and and also like proud that he's that he's been able to make that many good friends. Like 12 people at your intervention? That's Yeah. You know, that's like a lot of people that care about you. Yeah, that that says a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad that he's doing well. I'm glad that he's feeling good enough about it to joke. I feel like that that really shows that that he's, you know, uh, uh, starting to get a perspective on things a little bit, and uh, and also seeing that he's he's up doing stand up with his good buddy Nick Kroll again makes me very optimistic for John's future. Nick's future and the future of their friendship. Yeah, I can't wait to see what else comes out of it. Well, thank you so much for bringing uh, that. I, yeah, I can't wait to. Wa- I'm. I keep trying to get Robin to rewatch the John Mulaney specials that are out uh, in in anticipation of the of a new one. So this is a perfect excuse. So thank you for bringing this friendship today. Oh, of course, of course, and. Uh, and if, if you guys are looking for some great friends and you want to find some wonderful people that you want to meet, 
You better get your butts to Chicago, Illinois. That's where the most my favorite friendship listeners are at right now. Get on over to Chicago. Or check out our friends in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities. Mm. I'm sure it's a little cold right there right now, but you know what? They got a lot of inside things. (laughs) Or you can visit our friends in Los Angeles, California. Such a beautiful time to be here. We just had some rain, so you know it's going to be good after that. Or you could visit our friends in Denver, Colorado. Maybe you want to get high and go high up in the mountains to Denver, Colorado. Or you could visit our friends across the pond in London, England. Who doesn't love London? Jolly old England. Such a great place. Great food, great people, great culture. Gotta, uh, or check out Miami, Florida. You know, get a little sun in Miami. Have a, a, a Cuban sandwich in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe you're you're sick of pork and maybe you want some salmon. So you go to Seattle, Washington and make some friends out there. Or you know what? Maybe America's not for you and you want to go to Europe. Well, if you go to Europe, you should meet our friends in Utrecht who always love my favorite friendship. Shout out to our friends in Utrecht. Thanks for listening. And if you want to get a hold of this podcast, it is at my favorite friendship on all platforms except for Twitter, which has a character limit. So it's at my fav friendship. And you can also reach out to Brian and I, and we hope that you do, uh, directly at Brian Wool and at Mark Musinski, spelled like they sound. Brian, is there anything else you'd like to leave the people with before we head out for the day? I guess uh, uh, if you can. Uh, or you think you might be in the New York area, come and see Wizard of Friendship, Luberger and the Wizard of Friendship off-Broadway starting the end of February and all throughout March. I'll be with them in New York. Come on out. It's going to be an amazing show. I just got the choreography last night, at least for the first number. Holy moly, it's amazing. <laughs> so Great. please come on out to that. Check us out in New York. And until next week, I guess, you know, hopefully have a laugh or an intervention, whatever it takes to keep your friendship strong. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.